Hello, and welcome to episode 5 of season 2 of Solarpunk Presence. In this episode, Ariel interviews Lindsay Jane, the enthusiastic force behind the solarpunk scene, which brings you videos, interviews, and top tips on solarpunk fashion, gardening, and how to kick capitalism out of your life. Don't forget to support us on Patreon and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And now, take it away, Ariel and Lindsay. Hello, SolarPunks, and welcome. Today, I am joined by the marvelous Lindsay Jane, the creator behind the SolarPunk Scene YouTube channel and Facebook group to talk about SolarPunk in the Big Smoke, also known as Toronto, Ontario. Lindsay, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Who are you, Lindsay, and where are you? (laughs) As you just mentioned, I am in Toronto, Canada. At the moment, I'm currently on my uh, winter break, but during the warmer seasons, I work as a horticulturist and landscape designer. Generally, during the winter is when I'm able to go and work on my uh, YouTube channel a little more full-time. But coming this fall, I'm going to be going back to post-secondary for uh, either landscape or design or landscape architecture. I have uh, all sorts of little things that I kind of uh, do, uh, like you mentioned, with the Facebook group that I go and moderate. You know, I try to go and organize things with uh, people so that we can get stuff done as much as I can. How did you first come to Solar Punk? It's actually kind of funny. I ended up seeing a post somewhere. I think it was just a, an illustration. I think it was called Solar Punk Witch. It was this woman with a hat, uh, like a, a clearly witchy hat carrying fruit or something like that and it was just a really cool illustration and I'd never seen the term solar punk before and I was like oh that uh, that sounds really interesting I wonder what it is so I ended up going and looking it up and looking more into it and it just resonated with me so incredibly strongly I'm like this is exactly what I need you know like this is exactly what I'm <laughs> I've, I'm all about you know I've I've never heard this term before, but it goes and describes how I'd like to see the future and myself and everything that resonates with me so much. From there, I started looking on all sorts of different social media websites to kind of see what was there in terms of community and seeing what was there in terms of resources and ended up finding the Facebook group and the SolarPunk Reddit. I ended up joining the SolarPunk Facebook group It was 2019 or something like that. And I kind of just got sucked in from there. I feel like a lot of people have sort of a similar story in that they see a piece of art or they hear a piece of art that references solar punk and they're just so fascinated and drawn in by it. And so that's really cool. I'm glad that you brought that up. So what does solar punk mean to you? Things in my life have been not always the brightest and happiest there's been a lot of difficulties that I've gone and faced. And when solar punk, when I first found it, it was presenting this image of the future, which was so incredibly different to anything else that I'd gone and seen out there. 
you know, as compared to something like cyberpunk or even just a dystopian future, you know, talking about the climate crisis and the long-term effects of that. With solarpunk, going and seeing that we have a lot of the technologies that a lot of different illustrations or mediums go and show it as, seeing it as this way of being able to go and visualize a brighter future, being like, okay, yes, we're going and being presented with things as being really dark right now, but here's something that we can go and work towards instead. Here's something that we can do instead. We just need to go and figure out the steps in between in order to get to that spot where we can actually have a brighter, sustainable future, where we can have this actually healthy world where we're no longer disconnected from nature. We're not constantly being forced into these negative situations that we are now. Honestly, with Solarpunk, I've always kind of seen it as a really good way for helping people kind of visualize the, the future that they want. So much of the time people talk about, oh, you know, if you want something, you have to kind of go and think about it. You have to go and picture it in your mind. Okay, what is in that future? What don't we have now? How do we connect the dots between that? And that's what that is for me. I want to switch gears a little bit and ask you what it's like now to be a solar punk in the city where you are. Toronto's a really interesting city. Because I know a lot of people have it, uh, a view of it as being a very concrete, heavy jungle where it's very disconnected from nature. But I'm lucky enough to go and live in a spot which is connected to what's called the Beltline Trail. Toronto's cool because there's actually nature trails that go and run throughout the city. So a lot of the time when it's not winter, myself and my loved ones go and travel throughout the city using these nature trails in order to not necessarily be stuck. Uh, on the concrete as much. A lot of the convenience is really nice in terms of everything being super close by. I've never owned a car. I'm able to go and travel everywhere on public transit. But along with that, obviously, there's the difficulty of how do you get like affordable local food. That's probably one of the bigger issues in Toronto right now. Like groceries are so incredibly expensive. Luckily, with the city being as big as it is, there's all sorts of different services that you can go and get. Like, I'm actually waiting on a delivery box right now of locally grown food for the next week. Obviously, with Toronto and any kind of big cities, you have to really be careful with the costs of rent and just general housing costs. Like, it's nuts here. Luckily, my husband and I have lived in our apartment for the past nine, 10 years now. So we've just had rent control. But I know that if we were to go and try moving from here, it would be $400 a month extra if we wanted to live in the same place that we were now. I know with going back to post-secondary, going and looking at the cost of living in the towns that we're comparing with the different universities, that Toronto is just so incredibly expensive. Canada is currently in the middle of a housing crisis, and I think Toronto's one of, if not the worst city, to try and find a place to affordably rent in. Yeah, I, I remember right before it was even as bad as it is now when we were trying to move into this place. Even back then, we were um, having difficulty finding a place because there were still bidding wars going on, essentially, mm -hmm. with renting places where people were going and offering extra per month to the landlord in order to go and get the place. I made friends with our neighbor across the hall, but he ended up going and moving out. And um, he was keeping me posted about what was going on with him trying to find a new place. 
Mm-hmm. It took him three months to go and find a new apartment. And even then he'd be like, oh, I'm about to go and secure a place. And then someone else would swoop in, offer more money to the landlord. And then he'd go and lose the place and have to start looking again. It's, it's really not great. So. Well, I was going to ask you in your opinion, what's difficult about living in the city as a solar punk. And it definitely sounds like rent is one of the things that poses a huge problem for pretty much anybody who is going to be moving into the city. Would you say that's fair? Oh yeah, absolutely. Just the general cost of cities, especially Toronto, is so nuts right now. I'm pretty sure Vancouver is more expensive, but we're pretty sure we're the second most expensive city in Canada right now. People just aren't able to necessarily find places to live easily that that are affordable. And then not even getting into really the cost of what most groceries are. I mean, I think that recently when I went to the grocery store, we were looking at like the cost of chickens just as a good comparison point. And it was 15 to $20 just for getting a single chicken. We've had points where we've traveled even just an hour out of the city and it's dropped down by like 5 to $10. Sounds like there's a lot of artificial inflation going on then. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, they go and look at the fact that every all the food, a lot of the food here has to be brought in. And, you know, the cost of the transportation ends up going and coming in. But what are people in Toronto going to do, right? You know, there's not exactly a lot of places to be able to grow food in the city. Like, yeah, there's community gardens and stuff like that, which is great. But if you don't have... The private land yourself, you're not necessarily going to be able to grow food as easily. Something that I do and that I go and try to show other people to go how to go and do is actually uh, forage in the ravine systems to help kind of supplement the cost a little bit. I mean, you have to be careful where you go and get it from because soil can be contaminated. You have to be sure where it is, but there's all sorts of different different naturalized or invasive species in the ravine systems here that you can go and get. And they're really super tasty, actually. Is that a video on your channel? Is that something that we can expect to see from you, maybe? That's definitely something I can go and uh, do in the future. I've been planning on it. I just need things to be uh, growing again. It's a bit uh, chilly here for the plants. Right. Yes. We're recording <laughs> this in February and it actually, I don't know about in Toronto, but it definitely, the rain froze here last night and everything is kind of covered in ice. And so I'm guessing any plants that uh, we're poking their heads out are rather unhappy right now. Yeah, no, we, we got the same thing here. It, I mean, it's really pretty actually. I mean, everything mm-hmm. looks like kind of frozen raindrops on the trees, but yeah, no, it's probably going to be April at the earliest that you're really going to see solid plant growth. Definitely in the future, I I want to be able to go and teach my viewers about different wild edibles. That's a problem that I think a lot of city dwellers in the sort of like uh, the northern half of Turtle Island have to deal with is the fact that it's difficult to grow things yourself and it's difficult to source those foraged vegetables or, or other food for about half the year. And that can make the already a high cost of living in a city quite a lot more expensive. Christina, the producer, breaking in to come to the aid of people like me who had no idea 
that this northern part of Turtle Island Ariel mentioned is the northern part of North America, or basically Canada, Alaska, and other more northern parts of the United States. As tempting as it would be to think this has something to do with Discworld, as a term, Turtle Island comes from the Algonquin and Iroquoian depiction of the North American continent as having coalesced from a flooded earth via mud and soil packed onto the back of a tremendous turtle. And now back to Ariel and Lindsay Jane. Something that I've kind of been doing experiments with myself is trying to grow food indoors under grow lights just to kind of see how it fares. We live in a small apartment. There's only so much we can go and do. But I did an experiment with potatoes and I'm doing an experiment now with sweet potatoes, actually. Oh, cool. Um, and seeing how they do. Yeah, I can tell you that sweet potatoes definitely adjust more easily to indoor growing than standard potatoes do. I'm not sure how much of like an actual potato that I'll go and uh, how many potatoes I'd go and get from it. But uh, I've seen other people's experiences with going and growing it and they've ended up uh, getting quite a bit of food from just some of the slips from one potato. So in terms of being a solar punk in the city, we covered sort of uh, the difficulties with the high cost of living. Um, what's easier for you as a solar punk in the city to sort of access? Definitely public transportation. I've never had a car. It's expensive to keep one, but when you can go and get pretty much anywhere in the city for just a couple of dollars, you don't really necessarily need a car. Being able to have access to pretty much really anything that you need. The cost of it being expensive is is there, but Toronto, I'm pretty sure we're one of the most culturally diverse cities in the world. Christina, the producer, jumping in to check this fact, and she is correct. Toronto, at 49%, is number two in the world for foreign-born residents, with people coming from various countries in East Asia and South Asia and Europe which is just one measure of the many ways in which Toronto is indeed one of the most multicultural cities in the world. So we're able to go and experience and see different cultures and food and perspectives, which I think is really lovely. It's all close by too. That's awesome. It's all close by. Yeah, no, it, like you can get to pretty much almost anywhere in the city within an hour on public transit. No, it's uh, pretty stellar. Along with that, there's all sorts of really cool architecture and gardens and things like that. In Toronto, I believe there's three or four different uh, types of botanical gardens, uh, like the Toronto Botanical Gardens, uh, Allen Gardens. Uh, there's actually a garden that I'm waiting for the renovation to be done on it. They started it, I think, in 2018. But it's called the Cloud Gardens, and I'm planning on doing a video on it once it's done. It's right in the middle of downtown Toronto. They have a two-story waterfall with a greenhouse and all these gorgeous plants around the, the place, and they're renovating it and fixing it up. The whole space is dedicated to workers, I believe, people who constructed the city. I'm honestly... So sad that it's been under construction for so long, but definitely hoping that it's worth the wait. I used to work right down the street from it, and then I'd be able to go and see it all the time. So, Do you have any advice for other urban solar punks, maybe other climate justice activists? 
who want to be part of making their city and their community a better place, what would you suggest that they get into? It depends on whether you are living in an apartment building. If you're living in an apartment building, then definitely get involved with your tenants association. Strength in numbers, you know, that way you can go and organize people in your buildings to go and better improve your living situation or go and fight against your landlord for any kind of rent increases that are higher than any kind of limits that are there. Going and getting involved with local politics, even if you're just going and sitting in on meetings or things like that, making sure that you're being present and you know what's going on with it. If you find that there's something that's lacking in your community that is being missed, making sure that you're contacting uh, your local politicians or getting directly involved with politics yourself in order to go and create those kinds of change. Don't just kind of throw your hands up and go and say, well, you know, it doesn't make a difference. You know, it doesn't matter. It does matter. Like you getting involved does matter. And you, you can go and make a difference if you go and get involved with it. In terms of going and finding affordable local food, go and see if there are food boxes that are organized, not necessarily by stuff like HelloFresh or anything like that, but things that are organized produce from local farmers. A lot of the time, people will go and collect it together so that you can have fresh produce brought to either that or farmer's markets. Familiarize yourself with invasive edible plants in your area, you can go and help fight back against invasive species through the power of food, through going and just eating stuff and preventing it from being able to grow properly. Christina, jumping in again to say that I've heard this technique works well against that horrific invader known as Japanese knotweed, but you can only eat the young shoots In the Northern Hemisphere, those are coming up in in April and May. Um, So I've included a couple of links in the description in case you want to give that a go. I've put a lot of research into this topic as towards what people can go and do. I have a couple of videos on it, like my new to solar punk video that I just put out a month ago. That one was great. Um, It was largely taken from the solar punk Reddit, which is another great resource for people. I have another video that I've done talking about uh, how to reject capitalism in your personal life. And that one is another good resource that I went and found a lot of different things compiled together for. And Christina's breaking in again. This time to say, be sure to check out Lindsay's videos on YouTube at The Solar Punk Scene. They are fun and informative. Uh, Definitely biggest thing is getting involved in your community. If you don't have the expertise in something, chances are somebody else will. And and talking to them is what can make things work for you. Exactly. You know, through the power of the community and everybody talking and working together. I wanted to know a bit more about your YouTube channel, The Solar Punk Speeds, and, and you already started talking a little bit about it. Um, but I wanted to ask, why did you decide to start it? And when did you start it? And let's get some more going about this. I started my YouTube channel about two years ago, and honestly, it was from me being a moderator on the Facebook group. 
Mm -hmm. I kept seeing people posting about their different projects and the different things that they were going and doing. And I was getting so excited about all the different things that people were going and doing. But, you know, I kept seeing so many people go and say, well, nothing's happening in solar punk. Nobody's doing anything in solar punk. So I said, no, there are things that are going on. People are doing things. People are out there being active. But the information isn't necessarily as easily accessible to people out there. So I decided that I was going to start my YouTube channel so that I could get people's projects out there so that I could show people that this stuff is out there, that they can have hope about these different things, that they can have different projects that they're inspired by or excited about and not to go and, and give up on the future and not to give up on a brighter world, you know, that it's there. We just have to fight for it. Right. Yeah. It's not just all, you know, pretty pictures and vision boards. It's actually people rolling up their sleeves and getting these things done and making them into an actuality. And that's a great resource for, for people who really need to sort of see this stuff in action. And that's great. Honestly, I feel so incredibly blessed by the fact that I've been able to go and make this channel just by the sheer number of people who've gone and messaged me to say how much it's gone and helped them. And I'm just happy that it's been able to help people. Have you had a lot of response from people about your channel? Yeah, I've had people um, either comment on my videos or directly reach out to me or send me emails and stuff like that. And honestly, it just inspires me to just keep going and putting more stuff out there. Is it mostly other Canadians or do you have an international audience? Uh, where are these people coming from? Do, do you know? I, I do know. Um, the majority of my viewer base, I believe 35% of them are in the United States. And a large, uh, like another 10, 15% are in Canada. And then the rest are from all over the world. Like it's really cool seeing the different places that people are viewing it, it from. It's great to have so much impact from just like where you are to the rest of the world. Like I said, I feel really honored to be able to go and be part of this international community and be able to go and bring this for people. So what's been your favorite episode to work on? Probably either my solar punk fashion video. I am a massive nerd when it comes to art, design and fashion. Um, So that was a lot of fun to go and research either the fashion video or my seed bomb video because I got to not only go and make the seed bombs for the video but me and uh, one of my best friends Jorge kind of went out and had fun just throwing them everywhere and catching the footage of that and it was great fun. Yeah I I saw that video and and kind of wished I was doing that with you guys. It was, <laughs> it was like so much fun just chucking these seed bombs everywhere and knowing that what you were doing was, yeah, it was fun in the moment, but then it was going to lead to this awesome radical regeneration. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, kind of uh, mentioned briefly on on you wishing that you'd been able to do that with us. I am currently organizing an in-person meetup in Toronto in April. I know that we have some people who are even coming from a couple of different provinces who are planning on coming out. And we're going to be doing stuff that's kind of similar to that. 
I'm looking forward to to being there. I uh, want to travel in for the day because it's a great opportunity to meet up with other solar punks and to actually have this kind of conversation in person. I mean, this is virtually in person, but in person, in person, <laughs> for real. Yeah, totally. Yeah, no, I'm 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 excited to to meet in person. You know, it's uh, going to be fun. Where do you get the ideas for your videos? Sometimes it's inspired by, you know, seeing posts that people go and make, or it's by kind of taking a look at things overall and seeing where there's kind of a gap in terms of information. The solar punk fashion one, where a lot of the time when it comes to different movements, clothing and general appearance can be a good indicator for other people to go and recognize if somebody's like a solar punk or something else like that. So by helping people access a way to have more of a stronger cultural identity as relating to that, or when it comes to the new to solar punk video, one of the most frequent comments that I was getting on videos with people going and saying, okay, now I know about this thing. How do I make my life more solar punk? What can I do to be more solar punk? Luckily, like I mentioned, people on the Reddit had been kind enough to go and compile that for people. So I put it together in a way to make it more easily accessible that way. A lot of the time uh, with the content that I go and make, I try to create kind of conversations with my viewership in terms of what they want to go and see or what they need. Um, I've had a couple of requests from people for videos for what I go and make. For some of my ambiance videos, I've had people go and say, hey, I tend to have anxiety or stress or things like that. If you make an ambiance video, would you be able to make something that helps with that? Or I had another one where uh, I got this lovely comment that was like, I'm caring for my grandmother as a caretaker and all this stuff is making me think about when I eventually retire and what's out there in terms of communities, would you be able to make a video on communities that are out there that would kind of meet up with that? And uh, that's where my solar punk communities video came from. So yeah, I have a couple of other things that I'm going and working on, like solar punk movies and I've just started live streaming playing games so people can kind of see a little bit more of what creators are going and making out there that they themselves can go and either play or watch. Actually even as we're speaking right now I'm currently rendering my next video. Wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's um, the edited version of a live stream that I did of playing the first part of the game called Gilded Shadows. Uh, circling back to uh, talking about community, that sounds like this is really a community endeavor and you're responding to the needs within the solar punk community and then also bringing these issues to the solar punk community and these resources and saying, hey, this is stuff that you should know about and stuff that you want to know about. Hey, I know that I can connect you to these resources. Your YouTube channel, the solar punk scene really serves a purpose within the community and really also creates community at the same time. It's all about community for me, right? Being able to go and meet like-minded people and for us to all kind of work together, it, it means a lot. Aside from your channel, do you have any solar punk products that you're working on right now? I know you alluded a little bit earlier to growing sweet potatoes. Um, <laughs> anything else that you have on the docket? 
not necessarily anything that is outside of being personal to me at the moment. Like I'll, I'll go and post about it eventually, but I do stuff like where I make all my own cleaning products. It's more affordable and I tend to use more natural products with it. I make my own beauty products. I go and make my own cleanser and moisturizer and balm and things like that. I have a friend's front yard that um, I did the landscape design for that I am turning into a native pollinator sanctuary. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah, I'm hoping to record that one to turn into a video so that people can kind of see the transformation with that. Doing all this stuff, you'd think it'd be really tiring, but... I just find it so satisfying and rewarding that it gives me energy in, in some ways. And, you know, yes, I, I go tired and I go to bed tired at the end of each day, but knowing that I'm doing the most that I, I can every day just brings me fulfillment and joy. That's so wonderful. You and your channel are so inspirational. It's so great to be able to bring that to the podcast. And where can our listeners go to follow and find out more about you and the solar punk scene? With the solar punk scene, luckily the uh, name wasn't taken on any platforms. So uh, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch under the solar punk scene. And I do have a website as well that is currently under construction that I need to fix up a little bit more but I do have some interviews that I've done on there as well and that's uh, the solarpunkscene.wordpress.com and those are the platforms I'm on right now for our listeners we'll put that all in the description below so you can click and follow that uh, Lindsay thank you so much for joining me uh, this was such a wonderful conversation yeah, thank you for having me me and I'm uh, happy that we got a chance to talk. This has been a lot of fun. All right, listeners, stay solar punk. That's a wrap for episode five. Once again, check out our website at solarpunkpresence.com and come join our Patreon at www.patreon.com backslash solarpunkpresence or use the links in the description of this episode. Thank you for listening to Solar Punk Presence, a podcast hosted and produced by Ariel Kroon and Christina Della Rocha. The audio for this episode was recorded in part on the traditional territory of the neutral Haudenosaunee and Anishinaabe peoples and in Germany. The opening and closing music of this podcast is Water Cooler Gang by Monkey Warhol, available for use under the Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License. Until the next episode, keep dreaming and keep up the good work.